0: Speak on a subject that um, uh, is the, actually the center of all of our lives as Christians, and it is the most important subject of all, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ. And um, you know, I was reading this week how the Apostle Paul in the book of Corinthians said uh, when he went to uh, Corinth. Uh, He said, I determined to know nothing among you except Christ crucified. So he was basically saying, I'm not going to come with all your kind of messages that you think you want. I'm going to tell you what you really need. And that is the message about Jesus uh, crucified. And obviously, this is Easter week. And we're coming up to uh, this Friday's where we remember, Good Friday, we remember that Jesus died. And then next Sunday, come back because it's going to be a great celebration uh, that he rose again from the dead. But this morning, uh, this message um, is really the center of all things. And sometimes I think we can get blessed and legitimately distracted with all the blessings that Jesus brings into our lives. And it's a bit like a a shop window. The church can be like that, is that we can see all the results and the good things that are on display. But I believe at times the cross can kind of come out of the front and move to the back. And this morning, I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit will bring the cross of Jesus right back to the forefront of all our hearts and minds as we together have a look at Jesus and the sacrifice that he paid for each and every one of us. In John chapter 1, the, uh, John the Baptist, there was this man And he was the last prophet before the Messiah, Jesus Christ, came. And it was his ministry, really, that was to speak about he's coming and he's here now. And John was Jesus' cousin. And as a cousin, I imagine they grew up together. Uh, If they had marbles, they'd have played them. They'd have uh, sort of chatted in the streets as children. And John would have been greatly impacted by Jesus because all the way through his life, he never sinned. Because he was actually God who became man and dwelt among us. And John said in John chapter 1, When he saw Jesus coming towards him. So he knew about Jesus. He knew Jesus naturally. But something was different in the way he looked at Jesus. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He didn't say, oh, it's Jesus of Nazareth he describes something to those people who would understand what a lamb would mean to that culture. And essentially he was saying, look, consider, take your eyes off everybody and everything else and look to Jesus as God's provision of a sacrifice For the sin of the whole world. Now, John was a Jew, and there was a bit of an exclusivity about a Jew because they had a covenant with God. And they knew about sacrifices to be acceptable to God. They had to sacrifice animals, lambs sometimes, as a sin offering, so that those who had sinned, which was all of them, Could actually say, instead of me, take the life of this innocent animal. And God would accept them because of the blood sacrifice. And so, what John was saying, this is God's sacrifice. Interesting, a lamb. If you think about the spring lambs in the field today, they're white, they're pure, they're innocent. They are meek. They don't have teeth or claws. They don't fight. And Jesus was led like a lamb to the slaughter, which is the cross, to his death. And so Jesus was God's provision, not man's provision for sin. God himself was saying, I'm going to provide a perfect sacrifice who won't fight against this, but will willingly give himself as a sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. And that word, take away, is really important. I recently had an operation, and in that operation, All the cancer that was there was taken away. In other words, it's no longer in my body. And so this sacrifice of God takes away. So it's fully removed the sin of the whole world. Everybody born since Adam. Children, elderly, middle aged, married, single, Africa, Asia, UK, Europe, all. Behold. And so we're going to behold him. God's lamb, God's perfect sinless sacrifice. And I believe God is going to do a work this morning, and I'm going to invite him to speak by revelation. Lord, John saw something he'd never seen before when he saw you coming towards him. And I invite you, Holy Spirit, we invite you to all of us, Lord, that we would have a fresh light on you, the Lamb of God, for us. I just pray, Father, that your spirit will bring revelation of the truth in such a way that it will be fresh and powerful and that we would see Jesus as God's provision for each one of us. Amen. Amen. Going to look at Isaiah chapter 53. Now, in this chapter, God spoke through a prophet about... Uh, A person and this person was Jesus Christ and God spoke that he would come and he would suffer that's what a sacrifice does uh, that he would suffer and go through an awful um, incalculable suffering so it is beyond all human ability to work out And this servant that would suffer would accomplish an amazing work through his suffering and his death. Which is why when Jesus died on the cross, it was completely finished. And he cried out, from the cross, it is finished. So 700 years before, the accuracy of Isaiah 53 is beyond human understanding because it perfectly describes everything, that he was numbered with transgressors, he was crucified with criminals, he was buried with the rich, Joseph of Arimathea bought a a very wealthy tomb for him to be in. He was identified, it came from prison and from judgment. He was judged by Caesar and by the chief priests. Everything is written in Isaiah 53, 700 years. And we can see the work of the cross and the Savior. And we can see what Jesus has accomplished when we look at this scripture. And right in the center of the chapter is verse 6. And verse 6 describes why Jesus had to die. And it speaks about the whole problem of the human race. That all, I wonder if you could just say that word all. So nobody's outside of this condition. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, that's Jesus, on the cross, the iniquity of us all. So the problem we all have in common, you see, not everybody in the room or listening is a murderer. Not everybody has committed adultery. But it doesn't matter where you're from or who you are, all of us, have gone our own way and lived to please ourselves, not God all humanity has gone their own way and this scripture tells us that the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all now that word iniquity it means the guilt And actually, in the Hebrew, it actually means the rebellion of us all. So, to go your own way and live to please yourself, God calls iniquity or rebellion. It's a very strong word, rebellion. And I suppose sometimes we like to justify our condition, but God actually sees perfectly what the condition and the problem of humanity is. And it's this utter selfishness and turning our back on God. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one turned to our own way. But the Lord, if we could only see it, the wonderful, wonderful Jesus, the Lord has laid on him the rebellion of us all. And what was happening on the cross was what is called a divine exchange. All the evil and the evil consequences of my sin was laid on Jesus so that all the good due to Jesus might come upon all who believe. Can I say that again? All the evil due to me and us was laid upon Jesus so that all the good due to Jesus might come upon those who believe. Isn't that amazing? All the rebellion, the curse of God. He was cursed. He took the wrath of God upon himself. All my sin and all the sin of the whole world. And he became a sin offering in our place. Now I can... If you kind of work with me on this, I can imagine that in times whenever that somebody called Satan, because there is somebody called Satan, that means the enemy or the adversary, the one who opposes both God and his purpose. God at one point permitted him to have a chat with God work with me on this. This is my interpretation. And Satan, before he was Satan, had been one of the chief angels in heaven. And his name was Lucifer. And he was head of a third of all the angels. But scripture tells us the story of what happened to this beautiful, perfect angel that God created. He wanted to exalt his own position to be like God, which is pride. He exalted himself to be, like, to be like to be like God. And in that moment, he was thrown out of heaven. Jesus said I saw Satan fall like lightning, like it was a shot. Because no pride or sin can be in heaven. And so he was thrown out. And I can imagine him coming to God and saying, look, I understand that you're the just judge. And you've already made it clear to me, the ultimate rebellion person, the rebel." that you're going to send me to a lake of fire forever. But let's talk about these humans for a moment, can we? They're rebels too. Every one of them has rebelled. And because you are just, and you are the judge, It wouldn't be justice to send me and not send them to the lake of fire. Eternal hell. So if we go, just judge, they go. And God, being just and being a judge, knew he was right. But God had a plan. And that plan was that his son would become man and take the rebellion of the whole world upon himself and all the evil consequences of that rebellion so that all the blessing. And good, due to Jesus, might come upon those who believe. The wonderful work of Jesus Christ. See, God already had a plan. John three sixteen. For God so loved. And Satan would have said, these people you love so much, they've got to go to the fire too. And God loved us so much. God loved you so much. That was the motivating factor. That was the game changer. It was God who loved you and me. God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. Now look at this. Whoever believes in him should not what so you could but because of jesus you don't have to you would perish along with the devil in a lake of fire forever but because of jesus but because of jesus but because of jesus you don't have to for those who believe believe is the key word to believe means to trust yourself entirely to Jesus and his work on the cross for your sins. Christ died for your sins and mine, all of them. <laughs> Wonderful. Verse 17 For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. Jesus didn't come to make you feel like you could never, ever, ever get out of what you're in. He didn't come to condemn you. He came to save. God so loved the world. He gave his son. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. You see, that's the reason why Jesus came. He said, I don't want you to be judged and sent along with Satan to the lake of fire. I want you to be saved that the world might be saved. He wants the whole world to be saved through Jesus. He is exclusive above all other ways. Jesus is the only way to God because he's the only one who has dealt with sin. Praise the Lord. I won't preach. I'm teaching this morning. Verse 18. He who believes, that's he or she. So don't, don't think because you're a girl. You're not part of this, Okay. He who believes in him, that's Jesus, isn't condemned. Because all the condemnation or the judgment and punishment for sin was laid on Jesus so that all the good and purity and right standing with God and sinlessness would come upon me. Because the sinless son has become my life. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. He who believes is not condemned. But he, wait a minute, but, there is a but, not everybody will be saved. God wants everybody to be saved. But he who does not accept and rely on and put your whole Faith in Jesus is already condemned. You're going to be judged for sin, found wanting, and be sent along with Satan to the lake of fire. But if you believe, (laughs) you receive a different, completely different life. That all who believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That that everlasting life is the God kind of life. The life of God himself that you never had before you received Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. Wonderful. Isn't it wonderful what Jesus has done? The Lord has laid on him the rebellion of us all. Just let's read Hebrews. I'm not going to go on too long because we're going to take communion this morning. Hebrews chapter 10. And this is speaking of what God required before Jesus came. And the priests would bring offerings, and the people would come with their offerings. And they would shed the blood of the sacrifices, and they would offer the blood as. Um, really, just to to uh, bring peace with them and God, but it could never take away sins. The blood of animals wasn't enough. Every priest stands ministering daily, and they would do this every day, repeat on repeat. So every every kind of church service, you could say, you'd have to bring an animal. Every time you wanted to go to pray, you'd have to bring an animal. Because without a sin sacrifice, you wouldn't be accepted. So they kept on offering the sacrifices daily, repeating, never taking away sins. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, are you happy? The cross, one sacrifice for sins forever. Not many, not on repeat. Two, 2,000 years ago, he died on the cross. One sacrifice. For the history that had gone before him and everything that goes after the cross, every, all time, all, all generations, one sacrifice for all the sins of all the world, he will take them away if you believe. Wow. Now, I like the difference between uh, these two ministries. So the priests, they would stand daily. And to stand means they're always working to try and get people back into right relationship with God. But this man, after he had done it, it says he sat down. Why do you sit down? Because you finished your work. The work of salvation is completed because of what Jesus has done for us. But in that verse, you see, he didn't stay dead. He sat down at the right hand of God. What does that mean? After three days, Jesus rose again from the dead, and then he was ascended. He was, he rose again to heaven, to the highest place. You see, Satan wanted to exalt himself. Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name. And that's the law of God. Humble yourself and you will be exalted. Exalt yourself, and you will be humbled. That's what Jesus showed us about life. This is powerful, Lord, that you've done it. You've paid the price for all our sin, that whoever believes will not perish. You can be sure that you won't perish if you, not your mum, your Christian heritage, not your good works. Jesus alone has done the work for our salvation. And our, our only response is either I believe or I refuse Jesus. We accept or we reject him. And that affects our eternity where we go and spend forever. You see, this life is but a breath. The older you get, the more you realize you're running forward into eternity. (laughs) But I will live forever, and so will you. Forever is a very long time. It never stops. So either for you it's heaven will never stop or hell together with tormenting demons will never stop. But it will never stop. So scripture says it has been appointed for all men to die once. Brilliant. In other words, we're all going to die. Somebody will say, what did you go to church to hear about today? Well, we're all going to (laughs) die. I hope that's not the message you're going to leave with this morning, but we will. It has been appointed for all men once. Not coming back, by the way, to have another go. Just the once to die. And Hebrews 9 tells us, and then the judgment. All men die and then face God, the judge. He's the judge of the living and the judge of the dead. He's the judge of all. Because he's the creator and maker of all. It's powerful, isn't it? But Jesus... It was God's pleasure to bruise him and make his soul an offering for our sin. God was pleased to put him to grief. You see, Jesus, his soul was poured out, his life was poured out for your sin to remove yours and mine. But his body, in Hebrews Uh, Sorry, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. It says, his body in the same cross that he poured out his soul for sin. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his stripes we're healed. He took, in verse 4 it says, he took our sicknesses. And our sorrows. That word griefs is the word for all the sicknesses of humanity and all the pains. You know, before Jesus was crucified, he was scourged, which means he was whipped 39 times with lashes, with bone within the lashes. His body would have been stripped of flesh and they would only do it 39 times. Because it was thought that on the 40th they would die. And they wanted to crucify him. So they didn't want him to die with the whipping. And it was in the wounds that we are healed. It's in his soul, his his life, his blood poured out that... We are forgiven and our sins are forgiven, but it's in his body. His body took our sicknesses. Jesus gave all of himself so that all the evil consequences of our sin came upon him so that all the peace, all the healing, all the righteousness, all the blessing, all the provision, all the uh, you'll become an heir of God in Christ Jesus would come upon all who believe. Wow. No wonder it's a wonderful gospel. But the cross is the source of everything good that can come to you. It is a divine exchange, all the evil, so that all the good could come upon you. And sometimes we go looking for things whereas if we look to the cross, look to Jesus we find he has already done everything for me that if I will see it and receive it by faith it will become my living experience just purely through faith. Romans eight thirty two says he who did not spare his son But gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him freely give all things? Salvation is free. All things that he wants to give into your life are free because of what Jesus has done. That's grace. Grace, you can't earn the blessings because they're freely, freely given. I'm going to just finish with this um, because it really struck me afresh in Luke 23. And then we're going to have communion together and actually go offline. So if you're, gonna have, if you're listening at home and you can have communion at the moment, I'd, I'd get things together when we've finished. And, because it's going to be a powerful time in Luke's gospel chapter 23, verse 32. There were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand, one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people, stood looking on but even the rulers with them sneered saying he saved others let him save himself if he is the Christ the chosen of God the soldiers also mocked him coming and offering him sour wine and saying if you're the king of the Jews save yourself and an inscription was also written over him in letters of Greek Latin and Hebrew this Christ crucified is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who was hanged blasphemed him, saying, if you're the Christ, save yourself and us. But the others answering him rebuked him. Do you not even fear God, seeing you're under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man, Has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise or heaven. Today. Jesus was crucified with two criminals either side, the innocent lamb sacrifice of God. And because of Isaiah 53, we really know what's happening. God is laying on him all the rebellion and the consequences of that rebellion for us and for all the world, for these two criminals included. One of them hardened his heart. Hard man. Knew he was a sinner, but didn't care, and was in the proximity of being saved. He could have been saved forever. Jesus was there saying, Father, forgive. And both of them heard those words from his lips. That he talked to God as a father, he is my father. Because Jesus was the son of God. And forgiveness was being released for the forgiveness of sins for all who believe. So this man got harder. But the one man who knew he had done wrong acknowledged it and said, don't you fear God? We're about to go to judgment and meet God. We're about to die. It's a moment, isn't it? You and I, we've sinned. God knows it. People know it. We know it. But I'm acknowledging it. This was the difference. He owned up that actually I've sinned. I've fallen short of God's standard. I've gone my own way. I've done my own thing. I've lived my own life. But this one, he's innocent. He recognized Jesus. And not only did he recognize he needed forgiveness, he called Jesus Lord. Do you not think that's astonishing? He said, Lord. So he said, you're not just someone being crucified. You're not just a story in the history books. You're God himself who's taken the sin of the whole world. You're not an ordinary man. Lord. And he's acknowledging, Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. He said, Lord, remember me. I'm in need of mercy and forgiveness. When you come into your kingdom, he's a king. He's going to have a kingdom. And you know, Jesus has been given a kingdom above all kingdoms, a name above all names. He's exalted to the highest place. And one day he's returning, not as the lamb, but as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Everybody is going to know when Jesus comes back. Worldwide event. All will look on him who was pierced on the cross. Now, again, work with me. Because this guy, as soon as he closed his eyes, he was in heaven. And I can imagine somebody going to him and saying, How on earth did you get here? <laughs> well, what good did you do in your life? Oh, oh oh how many scriptures can you quote? And the guy would have said oh, Nobody feels inferior in heaven, but he might have felt. Uh, Are you judging me? And he said, "Um, the man said I could come. The one in the middle on the cross said I could come. I didn't do any good works. I ran out of time. I didn't have any more time. It was my time. My time was up. Now this is not an excuse to wait for another day to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Don't wait. Because you never know when you're going to die. And today, the Lord is being portrayed as if he was being crucified right in front of your eyes. Do not miss the opportunity today to surrender your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord. Because when you die, you will open your eyes in heaven. Not be judged and thrown into a lake of fire. This shows us. It's a bit of a showcase. This criminal that goes to heaven. With his last breath he confesses Jesus Christ as his Lord. Because it showcases the message. That we are saved by grace. Through faith alone. We're not saved By works, by what we do, our behavior. And this man, just the reason, and he could just say, well, Jesus, why are you here? Jesus. And do you know what you're going to say? Why am I here? Jesus. Who said you could come? Jesus. Who did you believe in? Jesus. You won't be talking about you, you'll be talking about Jesus that perfect sacrifice God's lamb slain for the sins of the world and I believe that he did it for me and he loved us so much that he did it for us and the whole of the world you see everybody's invited but not everybody will come only those who believe what about good works because we know as Christians Ephesians 2 goes on to say not only are we saved by grace through faith it's a gift of God so nobody can boast we boast in the cross in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that's the one we boast about but he says but Once you believe, you become God's work of art, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, not in yourself, in him, for good works. So good works are the evidence of salvation. So if I'm an apple tree, the evidence, you might not be able to tell by my leaves, but you will by my fruit. If I'm a dead tree, you'll be able to tell. And salvation is a gift of a new life, actually divine life. Christ comes to live in you so that the evidence will be seen in good works. But we are saved 100% by grace. God's gift, it's free, through faith, a gift of God. We're going to finish by saying this over ourselves. All the evil due to me, let's say it together, came upon Jesus so that all the good due to Jesus might come upon me. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins, that he rose again from the dead, and I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I have passed from judgment to life. I am not condemned, I'm saved. I'm saved by grace through faith. Thank you, Jesus. I wonder if anybody, Sam, could you pick up my chair and bring it to the platform? We're going to finish in a minute and take communion. And communion is so important. And I believe this week, guys, thank you, Sam, it gets a bit awkward. Yeah, here, perfect. Communion this week. Why don't you remember him? If not, every day take communion whether you're on your own or in a household and let's behold the Lamb. Read Isaiah 53 and pray and say, Lord, reveal to me what you've done for me through the cross. And as you take in the bread and the wine, all the evil due to, Jesus, due to me came upon Jesus so that all the good like come upon me. Now, Jesus used this word, who believe. Now, Pastor Colin used to use this, and it always used to bless me. Because he would say, like, if I had faith in this chair, I don't know if you can see. Sorry about this. You can see. Imagine the chair. If I have faith in this chair, I wouldn't just say, I believe that you can take my weight. Right. I think I believe Let me analyze the chair. Oh, it's good, strong, steel. Yes, I think the seat isn't broken. Yep, yep, yep. That chair will help me to sit down. See, some people are like that with Jesus. They say, oh, I believe Jesus came. Oh, I believe he died for my sins. And they're kind of just mentally thinking it through. And assessing it. But to believe means something completely different than just accepting the facts. It means to put all your life and your faith in Jesus Christ. That he will take the weight of the sin of your life. And you will be accepted, accepted in the beloved or accepted to God because of Jesus. That's what believe means. And to continue to live out your life trusting God. It's not a one event, it's a lifestyle. All who believe their whole life on Jesus so that his life might come and bless your life. And you begin a new life following Jesus all the days of your life. Isn't he wonderful? There is no one, no one, no one like Jesus. And scripture tells us to consider him who died for sinners. To think about him. Bring him to the forefront of your life and your relationship with God. And this, in this way, Jesus said, remember me when you take communion together. Now, just read the words from um Corinthians, and then we'll we'll take communion together. For I received from the Lord that which I've also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, Take, eat. This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That's for your healing and your peace. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, his life and offering for our sin. The blood poured out. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim The Lord's death, interesting, the Lord's death, the victory of the cross over Satan, over sickness, over sin, over all the wrath and the anger of God against sin. The punishment that brought us peace. The cross is the victory. The cross is the answer for every human issue. Every human issue already done. He sat down, guys. It's done. And as we believe, we just receive all the good things that he has done for us. Let's just pray together. Father, as we take communion, we just want to thank you that actually we're beholding you. We're remembering you. The suffering servant, the lamb who was slain, the lamb of God, God's sacrifice, perfect, spotless, led like a lamb to the slaughter. You didn't fight it. You willingly gave yourself for us and for the whole world. Lord, what love. No one can fathom the depths of your love for us a love that is eternal, a love that is sacrificial. It's not just the crazy love that people talk about today. It's God's quality of love. And we thank you, Jesus, that you took all our rebellion, our iniquity, that the Father laid upon you our sin so that what might be laid upon us is your presence, your healing, your peace, your righteousness, and your blessing. Thank you, Jesus, all the evil due to each one of us was laid on you. And as we take the bread and wine, Lord, may there be a transfer and exchange, a powerful release of all that is needed in every person's life, that as they receive and eat and drink, That your life will flood, your miraculous supernatural power would bring what is needed into each individual's life. And this we pray in the precious, wonderful name of our amazing Saviour and Lord. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.